Hey there, welcome to Not Another Wellness Podcast, a podcast on a mission to destigmatize wellness one episode at a time. Because no, you don't need a dry brush, a jade roller, a collection of crystals, a fridge full of kale or kombucha to be considered well. Wellness is about turning inward. It's about following the things that light you up in this world and honoring all the past experiences that make you who you are today. This episode number 43 is an introduction to mushrooms as food and as medicine. We talk through the history of mushroom cultivation and which mushrooms are best for energy, vitality, and so much more. Jeff Chilton, who is today's guest, was raised in the Pacific Northwest, where he has early memories mushroom hunting and later studied ethnographic mycology at the University of Washington before starting his career in the mushroom industry. He co-authored the highly acclaimed book, The Mushroom Cultivator, and later started Namex, the company that introduced medicinal mushrooms to the U.S. nutritional supplement industry. Jeff is now the president of Namex, and they were the first to offer a complete line of certified organic mushroom extracts in the United States. So they were thinking about organic way before it was trendy. So this episode is full of information about mushrooms. We're talking about what a mushroom even is, what is mushroom hunting, how do you know if a mushroom is safe to eat, or go over the historical role of mushrooms and healing, and I know you're going to love this episode. Before we dive right into the episode, I wanted to share a ratings and review. This one's from Sarah Swanberg, who is also on episode 18. Thanks, Sarah. It says, one of my faves. Love this podcast. Such interesting topics and great guests. Awesome when I see people I know actually leaving comments and reviews. So I really appreciate that. And I hope you can do that too if you're liking the show and want to send me a little virtual thank you note. And with that, here's the episode. Welcome back to Not Another Wellness Podcast. Today on the episode is Jeff Chilton, who is the president of Namex. And Namex specializes in mushroom products. And I can't wait for him to tell us how he got started in this industry because I think it's a good story. So Jeff, thanks so much for being here. Hi, Natalie. Thank you for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah. So we were chatting a little bit before press record. Um, and I would love to just hear how you got started in this industry and what was the first step that, that got you to where you are today? Well, I, I'm from the Pacific Northwest, raised in Seattle. We get lots of rain there. It's a maritime climate. It's probably one of the best mushroom places, growing places in the world in terms of wild mushrooms. So I grew up with mushrooms all around me, uh, hunted them when I was younger with the uh, my friends' fathers and things like that. And, and you know, mushroom hunting is like a treasure hunt. You get out there and you walk through the woods and it's just really a special place. And if you find a edible mushroom that's in good shape, it's like, wow, okay, treasure, right? So it's really fun. And uh, I, I mean, one of the things about that too is I love being out in the woods and we have the most beautiful forests up here. And they've got creeks and rivers and, you know, it's just a kind of a water world in a way. And, and it's evergreen. So it's always green. So when I went to university, which was in 1965, I graduated high school, went to university and decided that, well, for one, my major was anthropology because I just really loved the idea of other cultures and other ways of doing things. And in my anthropology studies, I also studied the use of mushrooms by other cultures for food, for medicine, and in shamanic uh, purposes. So I had mycology courses as well as anthropology, and that kind of got me started off on on where I am today. Yeah, and so it sounds like mushrooms encompass your childhood and and just the area. So it was obviously something that was part of your um, your childhood, I guess, or yeah, just a part of where you're from, a part of the culture. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's part of this whole uh, ecosystem up here. Yeah. So tell me a little about ecosystems of where mushrooms grow. Um, And you mentioned water. So obviously that's important. Um, But what is like an ideal habitat for a mushroom? 
Well, mushrooms have to have uh, high humidity for one, and they also have to have uh, a certain amount of organic matter to grow on because the, the, the key thing about mushrooms is they are nature's recyclers. So, so just to sort of talk about this organism, the mushroom is just one plant part of this organism. So, so think about it this way. It all starts with a spore. Mushrooms don't have seeds. They have spores. So these spores, they, uh, they float out there from the mature mushroom. They, they land on the ground. They land on wood. They germinate when the, when the conditions are right. They germinate. They come together with other spores. And these are like very fine filaments. They come together and form a network. That network of fine filaments is called mycelium. And, and you know, you, you might think of, you know, if you want to see some mycelium, just look at a mold. <laughs> that is mycelium because mold is a fungus. Now, there's two types uh, or two, two different divisions here. One is called imperfect fungi and the other is called perfect. The imperfect are the molds. They don't produce a mushroom. The perfect fungi produce mushrooms. So this mold or mycelium, it's what's down in the ground, it's in the wood, that's what's doing all the recycling. It's basically breaking down organic matter into humus that can be used by plants and, and the forests to ultimately feed them. But as it does that, it stores up nutrients and when conditions are right, and in the case of the Pacific Northwest, um, temperate climate, um, lots of rain in the fall, and that's one of the key things. If you're in an area like that with a temperate climate and lots of rain in the fall, you'll have a lot of mushroom growing, mushrooms growing, and that's what happens in the fall when the weather changes and we get a high humidity now. Mushrooms need moisture, they, you know, they're 90% water, like most vegetables, but they need that uh, high humidity, moist environment to grow and mature. So that's the kind of environment you really need. Mushrooms grow all over the world, but in some areas like the Pacific Northwest, it's just kind of a very, very special area because of this ecosystem. Yeah. Wow. I feel like I just went to biology, uh, no science <laughs> class back in, uh, back in school. So tell me about one of your first experience experiences, mushroom hunting and who was the person saying this is edible and this is not, because that's what I'm curious about. Cause I've just have heard, you know, there are so many types of mushrooms that you really got to be careful. Oh, oh, you do. Yeah. Uh, a good friend of mine, his father, was a dyed-in-the-wool mushroom hunter. He was, he, and you know, it was, it was interesting because not only was he a mushroom hunter, but he was also a fisherman. My, my friend could really kind of care less about mushroom hunting or fishing. <laughs> I, I loved them both. <laughs> so and I used to tell him, hey, your father should have been my father and my father should have been your father. Right, right. So I'd go out with him and, and my friend, and this was probably when I was in, uh, I don't know, junior high or something like that, and, uh, you know, walk through the woods. And, and we'd find some very special mushrooms, like uh, there's what's called the king bolete, which is a, a very meaty, big mushroom. And so I would learn, and, and when you're going mushroom hunting, what you try to do is you try to learn certain species every time you go out and really get to know them well, and have them identified and, and be able to know so that if you go out there alone without this expert, you can identify that mushroom and take it back and, and you can eat it. And, and you know, I, I, uh, I enjoyed eating mushrooms and that's part of it. And the funny thing was that, that uh, the man that I was going out with, there was one mushroom that maybe you've heard of called a morel. Mm-hmm. And a morel grows in the springtime, and it is a, a really choice edible mushroom. He was, poor guy, was allergic to morels. <laughs> and, and, and this is not uncommon. I mean, probably 5% of the population out there is allergic to one food or the other. 
but mm-hmm. he was allergic to morales and boy did that ever hurt for him because oh, gosh. <laughs> he loves hunting mushrooms and there's one of the top mushrooms out there and he can't eat it oh my gosh did you have any idea that this would be you know back then when you were hunting for mushrooms do you have any idea this would be your future your career your passion well no not really and look to be totally honest the the 60s was a time when there's a lot of shamanistic endeavors going on too and and we also had magic mushrooms growing in our area and so we were also experimenting with those and and you know that's part of of really in my studies in anthropological studies there's cultures in the world that use those mushrooms in their healing ceremonies and in shamanism so that was fascinating to me so that was part of my education, real and also in terms of of actually learning about these other cultures. And, and the fact of the matter is, mushrooms have played a key role worldwide in a lot of the major religions out there. And that's something that not everybody knows, but that's actually the case. And and it's really uh, interesting. And it was part of my studies at university. That makes sense. And it's it's very fitting, actually, because I think Colorado just um, decriminalized the magic mushrooms. Yeah, recently. yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's really great. I think, what, what's there one other state that was uh, had an initiative for that, too? I thought maybe some other state. But yeah, Colorado, that's, you know what? I never thought it would happen, just like I never thought they would ever legalize pot. And, you know, I mean... Listen, I when I was in high school and university and, and afterwards, I mean, I've had friends go to jail for pot, just smoking pot or growing pot. And, and you know, after the 80s, when Ronald Reagan came in and it was a whole very much criminalizing the whole thing in a major way, I just thought, well, it's not going to happen, period. And, you know, it's very different when you can be out there and, I mean, these are just plants. They're not harming anybody. Smoking a pot's not harming anybody. You know, to me, it's a personal civil rights. So it's, it's interesting that now all of a sudden things are starting to open up a bit, and especially when it comes to the use of, uh, of psilocybin from the mushrooms in, in addiction, in all sorts of uh, mental illnesses. A lot of positive studies have come out recently, and those got shut down in the 60s because of what I would call a hysteria that went on from, you know, it was a very conservative time back then. Hmm. It is so interesting because you mentioned these mushrooms are plants, and they are used in other cultures as part of their cultural ceremonies or healing and then for some reason, someone decided that it wasn't okay and they weren't safe or, you know, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, like why now is it coming back around? And the, the word shamanism, um, can you break that part down? Because I don't know that everyone would be so familiar. Sure. Well, well, a shaman is uh, considered the native healer. So that's the, almost like the, the native doctor in indigenous cultures. And oftentimes the shaman would use a psychoactive plant. And that could have been a mushroom. It could have been a cactus. It could have been other people have probably heard about uh, what's called ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. Shamans have used these psychoactive plants for millennia and they've used them in healing ceremonies. That's what part of their healing ceremonies. And so, so I think um, what happened was during the sixties, it was such a shock to the culture in the United States, the, I mean, we had what was called a counterculture, you know? So, so it was, a, I mean, can you imagine they, they actually, uh, I don't know if you, you ever looked at the Beatles and their haircuts in the early sixties and they had just kind of like a little kind of a mop top. It was something that <laughs> the parents and the culture went crazy over. <laughs> Right. Thought, and in fact, there, there was even there was even uh, um, record burnings. <laughs> I'm not because, kidding. Because they were like these unruly 
But yeah, right. called, they sort of call them unkempt, you know, long hair. And, right. And, I mean, the early Beatles songs were all love songs. <laughs> right. Funny, but of course, you know, in the 60s too, peace and love was not, not uh, accepted either. Yeah, it's so interesting. I'm glad you're bringing that up because, I, you know, not being born in, in that time, not being around for that time, it's hard to to really understand what it was like. And Oh, oh, you, you can't imagine. Well, you have to remember, too, that in the 60s, there was a, a war going on in Vietnam and they were drafting people of my of my age at that time. And so um, if you were out of school, uh, just working, whatever, you could be drafted and sent off to Vietnam and, and uh, 58,000 young men like myself were died over there and, and um, hundreds of thousands more were wounded and injured. Does feel like it was a totally different time. I just can't imagine that happening today. Um, and it is remarkable to just notice how much things have changed and, I they mean, we still, yeah, yeah, they have changed, and, they, and yet they haven't changed. And yet they haven't. Yeah, 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 because there's still lots of wars going on, but they're just, you don't hear about them so much because they hide in them. Right. And one thing about what you do that is fascinating that I want to um, come back to is um, the nutritional benefits of mushrooms. So we're saying, you know, things have changed. One thing that have changed from my perspective is the way we make processed food the things, the toxins that we're exposed to. And I think nutrition and going back to the earth is something that is really uh, being highlighted as this like new, oh, let's eat, you know, all mush, let's eat all this nutritional uh, vegetables again. And people are kind of coming away from the packaged foods and realizing what their bodies need and then maybe the effects of going so far in the opposite direction of nature. So yeah. can you talk about the nutritional benefits of, of mushrooms and why oh, yeah. they were dense, but why people should be eating them? Well, you know, it's really interesting. And, and I, I went to work in 1973 on a button mushroom farm. Those are the standard kind of mushrooms that you see in the supermarkets. And I worked on that farm for 10 years. And during that period, they're trying to promote, of course, the sale of mushrooms. And, and part of it was okay, why should I eat a mushroom, right? And, and at that point in time, nutritionists thought that mushrooms were, oh, you know what? Yeah, they're, they're a garnish and they have a, a nice flavor. And, but you know what? There's not much nutrition, nutritional value there. Well, the reason they said that was because mushrooms are low in calories. Mushrooms are actually a really great food. They're, they're 10 to... Uh, or, or 20 to 40% protein. And when I give you this range, it's because every species is a little bit different in terms of its nutritional value. But in general, 10, 20 to 40% protein, um, they're 30 to 60% carbohydrate and high quality carbohydrate. Mannitol, which is a very slow acting carbohydrate, um, very, very high in fiber. They also have what are called beta-glucans, which make up the cell wall. Half the cell wall is made up of these beta-glucans. These beta-glucans are what give mushrooms their immunological activity. So every mushroom has got a little bit of that, some more than others. Um, they've got um, about 8% fat, mostly linoleic acid, which is a, a very high-quality uh, oil. And then they've got B vitamins. They've got riboflavin, niacin, and thiamine. B vitamins, one, B1, two, and three. So if you were to eat 100 grams of fresh mushrooms, you could get up to 25% of your daily requirement of those B vitamins. Um, and then they're high in phosphorus and potassium. So, so really what we're talking about is a very high quality food and, and, you know, the fiber content is something that's important there. These are, are feeding your microbiome. A lot of that fiber is actually the beta glucan from the cell wall. So, and that's, that's not only feeding your, your microbiome, but it's also hitting all of these receptor sites that we've got that say, okay, yeah, do you need some immunological activation? We're here to help. I had no idea. And are all mushrooms this nutrition this nutrient dense, or are there particular? Well, 
you know what? Again, different mushrooms will have a different nutritional profile, but I think that's exactly what they are. They're very nutrient dense, uh, and a lot of people are talking about them in that way. And and I think the the major edibles like a shiitake or a um, uh, even the agaricus. The agaricus is one of the which is the button mushroom is one of the highest in uh, protein, and the amino acid profile is really solid. I mean, I think there's only one one of the um, essential amino acids that's not in that profile. So it is just a really good food, and and I tell people all the time, put mushrooms into your diet. Sure. And would you suggest raw mushrooms, cooked mushrooms? Well, you know what? I think it's better to cook the mushrooms because um, that helps to break down the cell walls a little bit. Mushrooms are actually there because of the fiber. They're not as easily digested as some foods. So, and, and you know how it is with foods. Uh, part of it is how much do you chew them to break them down first before you get them carried sure. on through the whole system. Step one. The saliva, <laughs> exactly. right. Step one, exactly. So, so um, they're, uh, again, that's part of the fact that they're uh, high in fiber and they're not quite as easily digestible as other foods, but uh, really they're just a solid, solid food. And yeah. now in terms of raw, I would say, you know, nothing wrong with eating them raw, um, but really the best way to do it is to, to cook them. And let me give you a secret. When you cook your mushrooms, <laughs> cook them on a high heat. Do you know what happens is people say, ah, mushrooms, man, those soggy, slimy. <laughs> yeah. Do I really <laughs> need these? Yeah. How many times I've heard that one, you know, and I'm like, okay, you didn't cook them right. You cook them on too low a heat. What happens is all the water comes out of them. And now they're sitting in a, in a fry pan that's full of water and they're kind of like, you know, if you want to make a gravy, fine. But if you're cooking the mushrooms to go into something high heat, um, oil of choice, and, and I like to brown them. So slice them about a quarter of an inch thick, brown up each side. So leave them in the fry pan long enough so you can brown it, flip them over. I'll flip them over by hand if I have to, to get both sides nice and brown. That seals in the moisture and also gives it a little extra flavor without browning. Cook them long enough, at least 10 minutes in that hot pan. A little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper. If you're going to eat them alone, that's, that's what you need to do. But do not cook them on a, on a heat that's too low. It will be slimy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really great tip. I'm glad you shared that because I will admit that I don't think I started eating mushrooms until very recently weren't just they just weren't something I understood why I had to eat and yeah. they're like this white spongy <laughs> food I was like I don't think I need that yeah but you know it's I'm glad you're sharing those little tips and tricks because for people like me I wouldn't know where to start so oh I know I don't think I've ever met a, a child that didn't go ah yeah <laughs> right <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so what is the difference between a mushroom, and I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, and a mycelium? Well, this gets back to the, um, the whole organism again and the plant parts. Okay. And, and did we go through that life cycle? I'm trying to a remember. We did a little bit. You were mentioning, um, and actually I wanted to say something about that because I, I just signed a lease for an apartment and um, they said, in the lease, I'm reading through everything and it said... If you find molds, don't spray it when you're cleaning it. Don't spray it with products because it will spread. And I was like, why? Like, okay, I don't really here's, understand. Here's the story about, about what you're talking about there. And that is that, that you remember we talked about um, perfect and imperfect fungi and the, the imperfect were the molds. Right. Different, completely different than what produces a mushroom, and that is, again, the mycelium. The, what's, what's going on with the mold is that the mold is just like what you'll get on a piece of bread, right? You, see, you know how sometimes you get a green mold on the bread? Well, what happens is, is if, you, if you get a damp area in your house, the air that we live in is 
full of spores and bacteria. I mean, if we could see it, it would be like a soup. I mean, absolutely. So, so what happens is uh, uh, fungi need moisture to grow. So when those spores come in and light somewhere, they need a moist surface. So if they find a moist surface and if they germinate, there are certain molds, they'll germinate in your house, maybe back in a corner or something. But what's going on is as they grow, they'll reach a certain stage and they will produce their spores. The issue with molds are the spores. So it's the spores that, that basically come off that mold that's growing on your wall and you start to breed them. So when they say don't spray them, what they're saying is you spray them, you'll hit it with that and the spores will just go right up into the air. Right. So, so that's what's going on with them. The, the mold, whole mold thing is a respiratory issue. So, so you know, you really have to just essentially keep your house warm enough and and don't let any areas get damp because that's when molds will start to grow and again those are the imperfect fungi they won't produce a mushroom unfortunately unfortunately yeah because if they yeah. did that might be a great side effect that's right that's right and then cleaning the, the kitchen <laughs> when there's mushrooms growing <laughs> oh my goodness and then you go yeah yeah i know we we have those for dinner tonight what oh my gosh <laughs> So what's the difference um, between medicinal mushrooms and traditional mushrooms, or is there a difference? Well, you know what? Uh, a uh, edible mushroom can, in fact, also be a medicinal mushroom. Um, what it is, is, is I was telling you about the beta-glucans, and the beta-glucans are the, they make up 50% of the cell wall of most mushrooms, but these beta-glucans will have a little bit different architecture depending on the species. And so they found that certain species have, are more active than other species, and those would end up being the species that we would call medicinal. So I would look at all mushrooms and say, all mushrooms are healthful, but not all mushrooms are medicinal because of this, this architecture of the beta-glucan. In China, over thousands of years, they've discovered which ones have this medicinal component to them, which one are active. And so that's where we look when we're talking about, okay, what mushrooms are medicinal? We pretty much look to traditional Chinese medicine and say, okay, what have they used? And that's, that's where like with my company, I could say, okay, these are the mushrooms we want to, to um, put out as supplements. And also, is there enough scientific research into those mushrooms that show us, okay, yeah, we've done the tests and we can demonstrate that they have this immunological activity or other activities. So, so that's really the difference. The difference is in the architecture of the beta-glucan. So the beauty of it is certain of those edible mushrooms are also medicinal mushrooms. So you can not only get the benefits of the nutrients in mushrooms, but you can also eat some of these mushrooms like shiitake, um, maitake, uh, even the agaricus. The button mushroom has medicinal qualities. Um, lion's mane. How many mushrooms do you have in your market? Do you have a full selection? In my market, you know what? I'm going to have to look because I'm pretty sure that we do, and I'm pretty sure I've just been uneducated. So after this call, we have okay. a grocery store here called uh, Natural Grocers, and they have all kinds of all kinds of things but specifically i have a lot of like herbs and then mushrooms and you can kind of bag things individually and they, they get things like wholesale and yeah people. yeah um, yeah but without it's, knowing the uses for them i think people are a little like i don't know what this is and why it, I, it matters yeah well i think i think you know generally speaking in the west and and let's just let's just pull colorado into the western side here sure um there's probably you know, certainly if you have a whole foods you'll see all these different mushrooms and and the store you're in probably has these different but you will definitely have shiitake mushrooms sure they are you know if you want to eat just one mushroom eat shiitake it is delicious it is a, a top quality medicinal mushroom you can use it in a lot of things shiitake in in uh, chinese is called shanggu and that means 
fragrant mushroom and you just pick it up and smell it and it's just like oh it's heavenly odor it's really beautiful and you cook them up and and uh, it's it's really really good so i highly recommend shiitake as an edible medicinal and maitake which is looks like a, a bouquet of flowers maitake is really beautiful and then also a good edible and then you've got lion's mane which right now have you heard of lion's mane <laughs> i'll say it's trendy we can't wow. keep it in stock it's it's crazy you know why it's trending? No, but isn't it adaptogen? Or does it have well, to do with that? All of these medicinal mushrooms are adaptogens. Okay, well, there you go. They're no, but I don't know why lion's mane in particular. Well, lion's mane is, have you heard of nootropics? I think so, yes. That sounds okay. familiar. <laughs> nootropics are anything that enhances your performance. Okay. Okay, so lion's mane actually has shown benefits in um, helping our memory, uh, benefits in uh, kind of a little bit of cognitive stimulation, and also for dementia. Well, you know, right now, out there, people in your generation, it's kind of like anything out there that can help me out in some way I want it. <laughs> Health and wellness world 101. Yeah. Well, and, and, and just a step beyond too, it's kind of like performance enhancement. Oh, that's oh, true. Yeah. yeah. Can I do more with the optimize, optimize yeah. the whole yes. thing. Right. So, so it's, it's a superstar in the nootropic world. And the reason is, is that it has shown in studies that it can in fact, increase your cognition a bit help your memory a little bit so that's where it's really found a lot of use and why why it's so popular right now i've seen a lot of drinks with uh adaptogenic mushrooms in them that like um chaga lion's mane um trying to think reishi mushroom yeah. and they're adding them as alternatives for energy I think, or stress, or both, or something. Well, I, th I think, I think, yeah, both. And and there's also a mushroom called the cordyceps that's a kind of an energy goes into a lot of energy drinks. And you know, this this takes us into a whole new. It's a nice segue. Let's put it that way, because one of the things I, I really want to impress upon your listeners, especially, is that like anything, you have to be very careful about what product you're buying and is it just what we call fairy dusting and fairy dusting is you just put a little tiny bit in and then you claim it on the label right so there are products out there that, that are like oh yeah this is a reishi drink and you look at it and it's like the last last ingredient yes so so that's a huge issue in the mushroom category when it comes to supplements uh drinks and things like that so often, and it's not just with mushrooms, it's with other things as well. You know, they'll all these herbal drinks and they'll, you know, it just, you really have to look very closely. And one of the things that I try to um, educate people about is in, when it comes to supplements, there are mushroom supplements out there that are made with mycelium but what they do is they grow that mycelium out on sterilized grain. And then at the end of the process, what they do, they don't produce mushrooms. They just take that, that block of grain um, that's got mycelium in it. Do you know what tempeh is? Mm -hmm. do, you know, do you know how tempeh is made? No, actually. Do you know what do you know what the 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 starting material for tempeh is? I thought it was like a tofu. No. So <laughs> no. You know, you're I mean close, you're warm. Yeah, I mean it, but no, actually, I don't think well, I can remember. Yeah, well, tempeh is actually cooked soybeans and then they put a fungus on it. And this fungus grows mycelium all over these cooked soybeans and they they produce it in a block. And that's what they sell is this block of cooked soybeans with fungal mycelium. That's tempeh. Well, tempeh is a, a food. It's a soy-based food. Companies in the United States actually 
will take mycelium of shiitake or maitake or reishi. They'll grow it out on a grain, like maybe rice. And then at the end of the process, they will just dry it out, grind it to a powder, grain and all, and they'll sell it as a mushroom supplement. That doesn't seem very natural. (laughs) There's no, it's all done in a lab. Right. And there's no mushroom in it. And, And so those, and those particular products, they get put in foods, they get put in drinks, and it's called such and such mushroom. And it's like, guess what? There's no mushroom in there. So, so that's where I'm just saying you have to be so very careful. If you're looking at the supplements, be sure and turn it over because the front panel will say shiitake mushroom and I have a picture of it. Turn it over and if you're lucky, it will say mycelium and in the other ingredients, it'll say rice, oats, something like that. And then that's the, that's the giveaway. Wow. Who knew? I, I mean, and really... You, I also wanted to ask about like organic versus non-organic, but you yeah. kind of answered that. Well, in a sense. You know, well yes, and, and what I would say, I, I'm a total believer in organic food, and and uh, my company's been organically certified since 1992, and all of our products are organically certified, and I really support organic agriculture because, let's face it. There are too many chemicals, not just in our food, but in our environment. And every every week they discover new ones that are popping up in food and water and all the rest. And the damage that they're doing to nature is just unbelievable. I mean, whether it's the bees or you name it, they are undermining what we need to survive. Sure. And they're undermining our own bodies, natural processes too. It's everything. It's, 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 it's really sad. I know I like the endocrine system and and how those chemicals can disrupt that. Oh yeah. 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 And, and the antibiotics that are in a lot of the food out there too. It's, it's, it's a, it's a real, um, well, for one, it's a tragedy, but also there's, it's beyond that. It is really damaging to so many things. And, you know, I, 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 I have to tell you, I looked at your um, uh, Facebook page today and I saw you out in nature and some of the, the photos you had of that beautiful little river or creek. And, and I went, wow, you know what? Yeah, you get it. Because to me, that's one of the most beautiful scenes in the world. I love rivers and creeks and the water flow i mean if i see something like that first thing i want to do is just to to go down and take my clothes off and get in <laughs> you know it's like it's so beautiful it and is. that water i just love it and and up here when we're up in the mountains hiking and stuff you can actually drink the water out of those creeks and how many places can you be now where you can actually drink the tap water right not, yeah, it's it's with just like fertilizers in general. It's just it's it's really important to have this conversation um, and for you to mention just how amazing nature is on its own and how we have come pretty far away from just allowing those you know and like supporting the the natural processes that make life function and make our bodies function. And it's, it's really now or never, it's like, we need to start focusing on this and we need to care for our environment. We need to, we want the environment to sustain life and sustain humans. That's, that's gotta be on the, you know, number one on the agenda. Oh, oh, absolutely. And, and, and there's a lot of young, young uh, children out there these days that don't even know how, how food is grown. They just think it comes out of a package somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> definitely you know they they actually yeah. up here the in in some of the schools in uh, van the city of vancouver they they take field trips out to the farms to show show kids how food is grown yeah yeah it's i'm mean, walking into a grocery store that's not a whole foods or not one of these natural stores that that do make an effort to have natural products it's would be hard to understand as a kid. Like, I don't know, my bread comes from a bag and well, my chicken yeah. is in a plastic wrapper. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I mean, try to get something that's not in plastic. It's like, man. Yeah. 
So coming back to kind of your journey in, in working with mushrooms, what made you go to China specifically? And you kind of touched on it, but I want you to go a little bit deeper into that. Um, what is it about the Chinese culture and mushrooms that, um, that got well, you? Well, you know what? As a, as a mushroom grower and having been in the mushroom business for quite a while, and during that period of the 70s and 80s, I was reading all about these medicinal mushrooms. And I just thought, wow, that is so cool. And I'd love to be in that part of the industry. Um, and at the time, nobody in the United States had a medicinal mushroom product. And in 1989, um, I went to China for a, for a convention, for a uh, symposium there. And it just opened up the world to me in terms of seeing and listening to the people talk about it. I visited all through the 90s. I visited farms. I visited uh, processing factories. I went to research institutes. Um, that was sort of like, you know, there's probably 12 different mushrooms that they've been eating that are in their marketplace just in a regular way. And, and what, I, what I realized when I was there was that, you know, if I'm a mushroom grower here in North America and I take my pound of mushrooms to the market and I sell it for $5. Well, supplements are dry. So mushrooms are 90% water. If I take that pound of mushrooms and dry it out, now instead of $5, I've got to get $50 for that same pound of mushrooms. And in the supplement world, the economics just don't work out. So the point being that I cannot grow mushrooms in North America and sell them into the supplement market. It just doesn't work as a business. So I, I realized at that point in time that I had to then grow my mushrooms in China, process them over there. And in doing so, what I did was in, in um, because being certified organic in my company since 1992, I realized, okay, I've got to take a certifier over to China. So in 1997, I took the largest organic certifier in the United States with me to China. I organized a, uh, the first organic certification workshop for mushrooms in China, 1997. Three years later, we were getting our first organic mushrooms out of China. And this is not uh, Chinese certifiers. These are German certifiers. These are, these are high-quality certifiers. And, and, you know, part of it, too, is, is uh, you know, I am realizing all of this. One of the things that you have to figure out is, well, if I want to bring these supplements to people in the United States and, and they get the benefits from, from them, then... I have to figure out a way to do this. I'd rather take that ethic into China and go, look, here's a way you can do it. Because you know what, what they did? They just adopted the whole Western system of, okay, fertilizers, pesticides, uh, um, all of this mass production. machinery, mass production. I mean, they're yeah. just following our lead. Well, I'm like, okay, if you want to do that, fine. But why don't you follow this other lead, which is organic certification, so we're growing it in a more natural way. Today, there are thousands of tons of organic mushrooms coming out of China, not all by me, but by other companies as well. So that is spread. But 1997, that was the very first course. Wow. And, and you know, what's, really, what's really interesting is that um, China produces 95% of the world's mushrooms. Wow. I mean, 85, sorry, not 95, 85%. 85%. Think about that for a minute. 85%. I had no idea. And, and that largely just, is that because of the climate or? Well, no, you know, it's not. It's, it's actually, they, um, you know, one of the things about mushrooms is that, and why we don't grow more of them in the United States is mushrooms still have to be harvested by hand. Oh, you know those button mushrooms that you see in the store? Yeah. Every single one of those has been picked by hand. Well, that explains the price then. <laughs> wow. No, I didn't know that. Is that? Yeah, do yeah. You know? 
how fragile they are? Well, well, no, well, no, it's just the way they grow. I mean, mm. um, I've got some really great, uh, um, slideshows on my website that people want to see it, but the way they grow, I mean, they grow indoors in beds, um, or, or in, in fact, we grow them more out of doors, but, but when you harvest them, you have to bend down, you have to pull them off of what they're growing on. You have to, to take the, the bottom off of them, off the stem, which has got the, a little bit of the dirt that they were growing out of. So it's a very, very labor intensive type of work to actually get those mushrooms off what they're growing on and to the market. Wow. I did not know that. And, yeah. and so, yeah, so you're the president of Namex and, and the product line that you offer. Can you talk a little about that? I know it, you have quite a variety. Well, you know what, we, we um, again, Namex is actually a raw material supplier. So what we do is we sell bulk mushroom extract powders to other companies. And then they take our powders, they put it in the capsules, bottles, put their label on it. And they put it into the marketplace. We also have a, a um, retail line that we sell online, but we, we sell about 10 different species. And, and these are all what I would call the top 10 medicinal species that have been used in, in traditional Chinese medicine. And uh, some of them are used, I mean, the majority of them, uh, the primary reason you'd use a mushroom supplement is, is really for immunological purposes. You're, you're feeling work, uh, weak, you're feeling a little bit energyless. You, you just, maybe you get sick too often or something. You're looking for something that maybe can just help you out a little bit um, when you need that help. And we're talking about adaptogens early or <clears throat> mushrooms are kind of one of the premier adaptogens. And one of the things you have to realize about mushrooms is that it's not like taking something, you know, like an aspirin or ibuprofen or something and you take it and an hour later, you're like, okay, my headache's gone. Everything's good. It's not how they work. They kind of work in the background. You need to take them for a while and then you'll start to feel the benefits of them. Or maybe you won't. It's not like they're going to work with everybody, but that's their activity. Their activity is, is that they're kind of working in the background. You need that uh, stimulation. You need those uh, extra immune cells to kick in. That's what the mushrooms are, are there to do for you. And some of them have uh, um, other properties, like we're talking about the lion's mane with the cognition. Right. Uh, cordyceps, which is really a cool fungus. You know, cordyceps is actually, the wildcrafted cordyceps is called caterpillar fungus. This is actually a little tiny mushroom that, that's kind of like a little blade of grass, and it grows off of the head of a caterpillar. And, the actual and, head yeah, of a caterpillar. And this, wow. And this, this caterpillar actually, and it grows up in, in Tibet, and, and the caterpillar has some spores of the fungus on it, and it hibernates. In the, in the late fall, and it's overwintering, and while it's underground, a couple inches underground hibernating, this, these spores germinate, they consume the caterpillar, and in the summer, the, the fungus puts up a small little blade of grass. The caterpillar, of course, is no longer alive, but it's still there, attached to this fungus, so so people will be out in the out in the uh, out in the uh, pastures on their hands and knees combing the grass. They actually call this winter worm, summer grass, and and it is um, so rare now, uh, and and that it is worth up to twenty thousand dollars for a dried kilogram. Now, we don't we don't sell that, and I tried to I tried to sell that like twenty years ago to the or thirty years ago to the supplement industry. I think you ever heard about cordyceps? And I showed them like this caterpillar fungus, and they went, nah, "I don't think anybody's going to eat those caterpillars." <laughs> and then they said, "Besides, most of our customers are vegetarians. They're not going to eat caterpillar meat." <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow, I had no idea that that would be. 
well, almost like such a delicacy in the mustard mushroom. Well, and and you know, it's just simply pretty much for herbal, and and it was something that was was designed and they used to pull somebody out of a illness that they just couldn't quite recover, and so they they'd give them this caterpillar fungus today, which is really cool. They just learned how to cultivate these about 10 years ago so now i mean we we never found a market for the actual caterpillar fungus but now we actually have the real cordyceps the little blade like cordyceps with no insect that we can sell and it's fantastic it's really cool you, if you go to the website it's beautiful because these things are bright orange Wow. Bright orange. It is so beautiful. And the other thing about them is they also sell them as food. I had a plate of these that was in one of our dinners. It came out, it was served. I should send you a picture of it because it is amazing. Yeah, here it is. They look like a bunch of little noodles almost, little orange noodles about two inches long or three inches long little noodles a whole plate of them and you're just going oh my goodness they tasted so good they were just wonderful and, and but we sell them as a as a supplement we make an extract out of them and so and all our extracts are powdered extracts that's that's okay. we don't do tinctures or anything powdered extracts but oh yeah so that that's just sort of like uh and then um there's have you heard of chaga yes has anybody not heard of chaga? I know, really. And, and chaga is what I call the flavor of the month. And oh, look, Natalie, whatever you do, do not believe what they tell you about chaga. Do I've not heard, believe it. Like, it, yeah, it, I've heard interesting things. It's so overhyped. It drives me crazy. <laughs> it is, you know, it's like, is there anything that chaga doesn't do? You know, people call it the king of mushrooms. It's not the king of mushrooms, my God. You know how many kings I've, I've uh, um, seen in my lifetime? Four. This is the fourth king. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're claiming chaga has all these benefits, and, and to you it's just another mushroom. Well, which has you know what? Chaga benefits. has its uses. It was used in, in Russia and Eastern Europe as something for the stomach. If you had a stomach disorder, you would make a tea from the chaga. And the chaga, have you ever seen a chaga, an actual chaga? I don't think so, no. It, it grows off the side of a tree, and it is not like a normal mushroom. It's this black, gnarly, irregular growth. It's not actually a true mushroom. It's actually a, a canker. And, and, and you, you have to literally chop it off the side of a tree to harvest it. So it's all wild-crafted. Wow. Um, and... and you know, people out there just they there's companies that are trying to sell it, of course, and part of that sales pitch is there's all of these, you know, 101 different things that it can do for you. And and you know, for me, I'm just like, oh my God, this is the this is the internet for you, right? And, right. And before course. the internet, it was somebody uh, you know up on back of a horse-drawn carriage selling a bottle of some kind of alcohol that was supposed to be, you know, patent medicine. Sure. You know, but it's a good mushroom for certain things, but don't believe all the hype. And, and you know, the supplement market at times can be so full of hype. I mean, how many superfoods have you heard of? Oh, my goodness. There's a new one every... It is really a flavor of the week. Yeah. It's a new superfood every time you turn around. It's like, you know what? I just got to the point where I'm really enjoying these goji berries. What? There's another superfood? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now I have chia seeds and now it's, you know, matcha powder. Yeah. It's going to be, it's like um, uh, acai and like, yeah, it really never ends. <laughs> there is no end to it. Yeah. No, and look, there are foods out there that, that we can call nutrient-dense great foods, like blueberries. I love blueberries, and they're local. Guess what? You know, we don't need to ship berries halfway around the world to get here. I've got blueberries. Right. And, and all the other berries here. My God, I mean, we have wild blackberries everywhere. And then there's raspberries. I mean, yes, we've got those here, too. Guess what? Right. So for someone who... Um, is interested in mushroom hunting. Um, are there 
how do you recommend educating yourself on what kind of mushrooms you're uh, harvesting? In, in, in Colorado, probably in Denver. And, and where did you say, what part of Colorado are you in? I'm in Boulder. Boulder, right. There will be a mycological society in Boulder. It'll be called the Boulder Mycological Society or the Denver Mycological Society. You will have a mycological society in your area because the Rocky Mountains, there's lots of mushroom hunting there. In fact, in Colorado and Telluride, you have a mushroom festival every year. Did you, have you ever heard of it? I might have now that you say it, but. Telluride in August every year has a big mushroom festival it's a three-day festival if you get a chance i would love to go there so it is like it's so much fun wow and so so these mycological societies they love people that are interested so if you express an interest they'll say well on this and such and such a date we're going out for a mushroom hunt you just show up here we'll take you out you go out with them and they will teach you where to go, what to look for, and you'll learn about certain wild mushrooms and ultimately be able to identify those on your own. And usually, you know what, maybe you will ultimately learn about five mushrooms that grow in your area that are easy to identify. You're not going to get them mixed up with a poisonous species or anything like that. You learn these one at a time and once you really feel like you know that one then you're comfortable and picking it on your own at some point then that's really how you do it whatever you do whoever's listening do not eat mushrooms that are wild unless you know exactly and you trust whoever it is that is identifying them for you and and here's one other tip too when you eat any mushroom, wild or cultivated out of the supermarket, the first time you eat it, don't eat a lot. You know, eat a, eat a smaller amount because, you know, you never know. It might not agree with you. So eat a small amount, and that's especially true about wild mushrooms. You know, you know the worst thing that happens is sometimes people that are immigrants, they, they're in the United States, they go out mushroom hunting, they see these big, beautiful mushrooms, and they say, oh, that looks just like what we used to eat back home. They take it home with them, they chop it up. They eat a lot of these things. And next thing you know, they're in the hospital because they've picked a poisonous mushroom. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that is definitely a scary reality of nature. Oh, but well, you have to I mean, learn. Not, if, yeah. And right. it's, not just, it's not just mushrooms. I mean, no. there's plants out there, too. I mean, totally. we have to be very careful. About yeah, like that movie of the book Into the Wild. That's, that's how... Um, that that pioneer if you want to call him uh actually oh, was that how he i'm pretty sure it was oh you know what it was berries i don't even think it was mushroom i think oh, it was okay berries. it was something but he had the book and he had he had all the species he could eat and couldn't and he got he was so uh, uh hungry and he was deprived of of all these nutrients and he ended up eating something he should um ended his life but but yeah um anyway jeff this has been so informative i feel like I, first of all for being not a big mushroom eater, I can't wait to go to the supermarket and go look for the shiitake and um, go read the labels of all these health food brands and make sure that they're actually putting mushrooms in there if you're going to spend the money. Yes, um, yes. And and just the tips you gave us were so helpful, like cooking on high heat for how long, uh, you know, just all the benefits of it. It's so interesting, and and I'm really grateful that you could share all this information with us today. Hey, I mean, honestly. I'm- Happy to do it, you know. I really am, and and you know, I, I've been sort of, so to speak, living with mushrooms since 1973 and before. So um, I feel very fortunate because they are such a great food. So I'm really happy to educate people about the benefits of mushrooms. They're really a great food, and I totally encourage people to to get to know them. Definitely. And where can people find uh, more products with Nemex mu- mushroom extract in them? Well, you know what? Um, if you go out to realmushrooms.com, that's where we have our actual um, retail product line. It's uh, uh, You can buy them off the website, or I think they're being sold on Amazon, too. And then please come to namex.com, N-A-M-M-E-X.com. We've got a lot of information there on mushrooms, including I've got a 
30 minute slideshow on uh, mushroom growing. So you can actually see how they're being grown. Yeah. A lot I'm of, curious. Other, yeah, yeah. A lot of other really good information there about, about mushrooms, uh, edible and medicinal. So come onto the website and check it out. Thank you so much. And this is, this has been such a pleasure to get to know you. And, um, I really feel like I learned a ton. I can't wait to share the message. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Natalie. I really enjoyed uh, talking to you. It's been really fun. Mm-hmm.